This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Alik Yomiddin, Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka al-mushtaka wa bika thiqatu wa alayka tukulan wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyu al-azim. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hal uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma la sahri ila ma jaltahu sahla. وأنت تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن اهتدى بهديه واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين إن شاء الله تعالى we're continuing our تفسير of سورة البقرة and we reached the ayat of fasting and siyam and after these ayat we will be entering into some ayat related to الحج and then uh, some ahkam related to transaction. And you will notice that the surah will start focusing a lot on uh, issues as it relates to fiqh, the halal and the haram. And it is almost as if the chapter, the surah was preparing you. First you were told about uh, why you were created in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah. You were told about your history, the beginning of mankind with the story of Adam. You were told about your purpose in life and how Allah created us for His worship and also Allah made us the khulafa of this earth. Uh, and that then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that there are two types of people or two types of groups or nations. And then Allah spoke about the Banu Israel and how they failed to realize their potential as people that should worship Allah and follow the prophets. Then after you were told what not to do, you were told about an example of one who completely submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam. So you were told who to emulate and follow. Now you are ready to listen to the commandments. Now you're ready to listen to the commandments. And it is upon you to say what Ibrahim said when Allah asks you to fast or to do anything else. And that is, Aslamtu uh, li rabbil alameen. I've submitted myself to the Lord of the worlds. Uh, so tonight I want to focus on speaking about uh, fasting, some of its ahkam and ruling, and some of its virtues. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, in verse 183, like we mentioned last week, Fasting has been made obligatory upon you or has been prescribed for you. Just like the people that came before you so that you may attain taqwa. Um, so we mentioned that fasting is to withhold yourself from the things that break it. Fasting is to withhold yourself from anything that would break your fast. Al-imsaku anil muftirat. And the muftirat, the things that will break your fast, are many. Among the things that can break one's fast is, of course, eating, drinking, uh, and also having relations And also uh, So these are the main ones These are the main ones right, That you should stay away from And there are things that uh, Some of the ulama have uh, differed over Are they considered to be things that break your fast or not And uh, an example of that would be um, When When someone takes uh, Certain medications or, or injections Would that be considered the same as breaking your fast. And some ulama are very strict and they say anything that enters into your body 
from any manfadh, from any uh, place, would result in the fast being broken. And that's very strict. That's very strict. So they wouldn't allow anyone to take even an injection uh, during Ramadan. And this is quite relevant for us. For example, the people that were taking vaccinations. And, uh, and other ulama, they looked at the purpose behind the purpose behind uh, the prohibition of eating and drinking is to stop the body from receiving nutrition. So anything that gives you nutrition or nourishment adds nutritional value to your body, it would be considered something that breaks your fast even if it doesn't if you don't ingest it. So for example, some people they are given um, IV fluids and that would give the person some energy or and the, another one would be I mean we have I believe uh, the doctor is here would be a blood donation it kind of do, it gives the person a form of uh, so the, the, uh, it, it adds something to your body so these things would break your fast but it, a steroid injection for example or a penicillin or something that just kills your pain and doesn't really give any any nutritional value to your body that wouldn't be considered something that breaks your fast. There is some difference of opinion in this issue. And what is the general rule you should hold when there is a difference of opinion? And this was something that was really popularized by Imam Shafi'i and his students in the Shafi'i Madhab. That whenever there is a difference of opinion on something, and you have opinion A and opinion B, even if they would hold opinion A, they would say they would regard opinion B as a valid position to hold, and they would, if there is a way where they don't, uh, where they can act upon opinion B as well, they would try it. So what would be an example of that? An example of that would be, let's say, uh, some ulama said anything that goes into your body breaks your fast. And that includes any type of injection, even if it's a vaccine or, or a steroid injection, whatever the case is. It breaks your fast. And then some ulama said, no, if it doesn't add any nutritional value, it doesn't break a fast. So the cautious option to do is what? If you do not require, if you can take it at night, if you can delay it to after Ramadan, that you do that out of respect of the ulama that hold the opinion that it's not allowed. Does that make sense? This is generally a good view for the Muslim to have so that you don't, what does this help you with? Every time there is khilaf, you're not like, alhamdulillah, there's two opinions, three opinions. Let me see which one is, you, you don't have that mentality of um, benefiting from the difference of opinion of scholars and then just picking every time what comes the most natural to you, what's the easiest to you. There is a, there is a uh, other side to this. Some people, they are always so cautious, they will always take the most strict opinion. The most difficult opinion, the most strict opinion. And that's not necessarily also uh, very wise, but whenever you can, if you can act, if you can uh, uh, try and respect the, the, the other qawl and maybe not infringe on it, this is always khair in it. So uh, we said fasting is to stay away from things that, that, that break your fast. And uh, some of the things that the ulama mentioned other than uh, eating and drinking and anything that is similar to it. And then relations and anything that is similar to it. So this is always anything that is similar to it. So if someone doesn't engage in relation, but the, the result of relation happens to them, right? Uh, then this would also be considered someone that broke his fast, right? So you can't um, do anything of that sort either. Then you have, Allahumma uh, certain things such as uh, someone purposely making themselves vomit. Someone purposely making themselves vomit would also uh, break their fast. 
Of course, uh, more details of this is studied in, in, in fiqh, but it is important that you refresh your understanding of what breaks your fast and what doesn't. Does tasting food break a fast? Tasting food? It doesn't. As long as you do not ingest it and you spit it out, it is very disliked for you to do so if there is no reason for it. And there are some exemptions given to people that are cooking food for people, etc. Um, so fasting is not just an exercise that we do to uh, stop us, ourselves from eating and drinking for no reason. There is a greater purpose behind it. And that greater purpose is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this manner and to train ourselves to be able to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to, if, uh, to train yourself almost to stop yourself from doing the things that you desperately need. And if you can do that, then you can clearly stop yourself also from the things that you do not need, such as being sinful and doing all those other things. What is the reward of fasting? This is something that we often overlook. And wallahi, it's uh, one of the, every time I read about the virtues of fasting, uh, it, one thing we wonder is why, why do we not fast more? Uh, one such hadith that always really uh, is the, me personally, one of the most powerful hadith to indicate how virtuous fasting is. Not just fasting in Ramadan, fasting generally. Of course, fasting in Ramadan, that would be even greater. General rule to always remember, any act of worship that you do, if it's an obligation, it has more reward than if it is a, a, a recommended act. So, what's more reward? Doing your first hajj or your third hajj, which is the first hajj. Why? Because that one is obligatory. What's more rewarding? Giving zakat or sadaqah, zakat, because it is obligatory. What's more rewarding? Fasting Ramadan or fasting Thursdays and Mondays? Fasting Ramadan. And that's always something you have to remember. Qiyamul Layl, the taraweeh prayer that we pray, the taraweeh prayer that we pray in Ramadan, and the Isha prayer we pray in Ramadan, the Isha prayer has more virtue. And this is something that people often misunderstand. Because there is nothing greater that gets you closer to Allah than the obligations. Based on that, of course, the fasting of Ramadan is, 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 is a lot more virtuous. So uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that about fasting, عمل, this is actually a hadith Qudsi. Hadith Qudsi means a statement that was said by Allah. Every act does, that man does is for them. It's, it's yours. إلا الصوم except for fasting. Everything that you do is yours except for fasting. فَإِنَّهُ لِي For indeed fasting is mine. Allah said, وَأَنَا أَجْزِبِي And I will reward it. Now there's a few questions that come to your mind. First, doesn't Allah own everything? So what does this mean? And also doesn't Allah reward us for the other stuff as well? The prayer and the sadaqah? So why specifically say I will reward fasting? Doesn't Allah reward you for your prayer? And for your salat upon the Prophet? And for your sadaqah? Allah does. And we hope Allah rewards us and accept our good deeds. So the ulama, they explained it. Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, it's a great scholar, who, he mentioned about 12. 12 ways to explain this hadith. Um, one of them, he said, is that this hadith, when Allah said, I will reward it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us that fasting, fasting is looked at by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as separate from all the other ibadat. So fasting is seen as separate from all the other acts of worship. Your salah, your sadaqah, all of it. Your good akhlaq, all of it. In, in, what, in what manner? On the day of judgment, if we have wronged each other or oppressed each other, 
we will be taking each other's good deeds. Will we not? So if someone wronged you, then Allah will take, will, will compensate you by taking their acts of worship from them. Their prayers and their sadaqah, etc., etc. Correct? And if you wronged someone, they will be taking yours. What happens when all of your good deeds are depleted? Who can tell me? What happens, Ali? Yes, when all your goodies are depleted, if you've wronged more people and they come, then they will be putting their sins on you. This is why, be very careful of oppressing others. May Allah forgive us. Um, so, while this is happening, your fast will not be touched. Fasting is so special. When Allah is saying fasting is mine, this is what it means. It means it is not going to be put on the table for you to give it to others to begin with. This, every fast that you do, it will be held in a special place for you. This is what it means when Allah said, every act you do is yours, meaning, if you wronged others, then you will compensate them with that. Except for fasting, for it is mine. In other words, that will always be kept and preserved for you. Just this understanding, you'll realize how precious fasting is. How precious fasting is. There's another explanation he makes, and he says that, the amal that we do, the righteous actions that we do, they are multiplied, manifold. And this is from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are multiplied, manifold. وَالْحَسَنَةُ بِعَشْرِ أَمْثَالِهَا Every good deed is times ten. And this is the bare minimum actually, it's times ten. This is why the Prophet, when he said about the hadith of Abdullah, hadith of Abdullah ibn Sa'id regarding the recitation of the Qur'an, I do not say Alif Lamim is one letter. Rather, each one you get ten fourths. When you say Alif Lamim, you get thirty rewards. Right? By the way, this is the bare minimum. This is the bare minimum. Every time you do a good deed, there is a multiplier by ten. This is why even the prayers, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreased the prayers from fifty to five, the hadith mentions. خمسون في العدد خمسون في الأجر أو كما قال five in number but fifty in reward meaning what again that multiplied by ten is what present then up to seven hundred up to seven hundred up to even much more right so especially for example in Surah Al-Baqarah you'll find that charity Allah multiplies it by seven hundred seven hundred right سبع سنابل في كل سنبلة مئة حبة طيب and then some ahadith mention إِلَىٰ أَضْعَافٍ كَثِيرًا to many, many other folds. So Allah knows how much. But what's interesting is, the, this is the sharah of the hadith of fasting, that the reward of the reward of all the good deeds are able to be enumerated. Right? We mentioned numbers. Times 10, times 700. There is some sort of a quantity Attached to it That the angels are aware of Except for fasting It's such, so great they don't know The reward of fasting is so great That even that there is no number No multiply attached to it And some ulama said This is the tafsir of Qulu ta'ala Innama bighayri hisab. Indeed those who have patience Will be given their reward Without a, an, a, without a hisab Without any account Meaning it is immeasurable the reward is immeasurable. Just those two reasons should be enough for us to be fasting all the time. 
The first reason which was what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala holds fasting for you and it is special. Two, that uh, the reward of it is so great. So uh, this is the virtue of fasting. Now imagine fasting in the month of Ramadan. Fasting in the month of Ramadan. This should explain to you, I believe there is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ said that um, he either said ameen to the cursed may be the one who reaches Ramadan and does not get forgiveness. When you understand how much virtue, how much khair there is in Ramadan, how much virtue and khair is in fasting, and then it is Ramadan, and then you do not benefit from that great, great, great opportunity. We mentioned some of the ahkam of fasting. The ayah that we've done last week mentioned ayam al-ma'adudat, that we fast a number of days. This is 29 or 30. How come not 31? Because the Islamic ones never go to 31. And then Allah said, فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَيٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَامٍ أُخَرٍ Whoever is sick among you or traveling, then, he, then let him make up other days if they broke their fast. Uh, what's important to mention is which one is more virtuous. If you are sick, should you fast or break your fast? If you are traveling, should you fast or break your fast? First and foremost, the ulama, there is khilaf in this. They say, okay, so you're traveling. Let's say you're going on a plane or you're going somewhere and it's Ramadan. Should you keep your fast or should you break it? The uh, A lot of people prefer to fast, especially when they say there is no difficulty attached to this. So why would I be breaking my fast? Now what's really important to understand this, and this is this is something very important to understand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave uh, this leniency as it relates to fasting for the traveler and the sick, right? The traveler and the sick. Now, if someone is working at a warehouse, a very difficult shift, very difficult shift. They might become more tired or they most definitely will feel more tired and fasting will be more difficult for them than someone who's sitting at the back of the car traveling in the highway. Right? So, if we say the reason why the, 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 the traveler is allowed to break his fast is because it is difficult for him to fast. Full stop. And that's we say the, oh, that's the only reason. Now we are in a situation where the one who's not traveling is going through more difficulty than the one who is traveling. Should we then say with that logic, well, based on the illah, based on the reason being the difficulty, you should say that even if you're, if you're in a warehouse or working in a farm or doing a labor job, then you should also not fast. Not one scholar in the history of our ulama has ever said this. And during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they were farmers and laborers that would struggle, yet they would not break their fast. So the breaking of the fast for the traveler is not only, you shouldn't only look at the level of difficulty. You're allowed to break your fast when traveling, even if you're not going through difficulty, uh, like they used to go be in the past, right? Now, we know you can, but should you? This is the question. We know we can. It's clear in the ayah. If you're traveling, you can break your fast. But should we? Um, 
There is a narration that mentions that the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah loves for us to benefit from his ruhas kama yuhibbu an tu'ta azaimah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes things easy for us, Allah wants us to benefit from that. There is a reason for that. When Allah makes things easy for us, we shouldn't ignore it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that if you're ill, you can break your fast. If you're traveling, you can break your fast. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet said that when you're uh, traveling or, or when you make wudu, you can wipe uh, your socks. Uh, you can do things that have made life easier for the Muslim. You're not supposed to ignore those. You're supposed to benefit from them. They're the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We still haven't answered the question, should we? Yes, we should benefit from them. But, but who should benefit from them? Some ulama said, if you're traveling and it is difficult, then break your fast. If it's traveling and it's not difficult, don't break your fast. Others have said, if you're traveling, whether it's difficult or not, you, you should uh, break your fast. Uh, and they mentioned some hadith, like uh, there's a narration mentioned from the Prophet ﷺ, min al-birri fi safar. min al-birri fi safar. It is not from righteousness to fast when traveling. That should make it very clear cut. It's not from righteousness to travel when you're, to fast when you're traveling, so why would we? But this is where you learn that the, this hadith was not mentioned in isolation, it was mentioned within larger incident, and that was that, uh, some Sahaba struggled, and uh, they were fasting, and they couldn't, uh, help out the way that the non-travel, non-fasting travelers were, and they managed to do a lot more khair, a lot more work in that regard. And if you think about it, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you an out, you can break your fast, you chose not to, and that affected your day, as a, as a, as a, affected your obligations that you needed to do, then you understand that perhaps you have not made the best decision. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, and Allah knows what's best for us. So, there's nothing wrong if you choose to fast. There's also nothing wrong if you choose to break a fast. What I would advise is, if you are continuing your fast, do so in worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people, they have a very good reason, right? And their reason is they say, we struggle making up. We forget, we delay, and all of a sudden it's the next year, Sha'aban, and I've missed. And for me, it's better to keep my fast. This is a very good reason to have. This is a very good reason to have, right? And some... It's not that hard for them, and they can make it up, and they want to benefit from this rukhsa. This is why uh, the Salaf, they used to say, مَا كَانَ الْمُفْتِرُ مِنَّا يُعِيبُ عَلَى الصَّائِمِ The one who is breaking his fast would not blame the one who is fasting, and vice versa. طيب. Um, now, there is another group of people that needs to be mentioned. We said that if you are sick, you can break your fast. And... What if you are so sick, it's the type of illness that will never go away. Well, it can go away with the qadr of Allah, but it is diagnosed that this will be something that you're going to live with. And there are certain type of diseases or sicknesses where you cannot, where you cannot uh, continue fasting. What does the person who cannot fast at all do? They feed a poor person every single day that they miss. They feed a poor person every single day that they can miss. There are several ways this can be done. In the beginning of Ramadan, they could get 30 people. Those 30 people must all be considered poor and in need. And then they feed them one time. And that is done for the Ramadan. So feeding 
30 people. They can either cook the food and give it to them, or they can give it to them and they, they can cook it themselves. Both options are fine. They can do it one person every single day for Ramadan. Again, there is flexibility in this. As long as the, every day they miss out on fasting, they should feed one person. This is for the one who is too sick to fast and cannot make it up. Or the one who is too old to fast and cannot make it up. Those two people, this is what they do. Then you have the woman who is um, pregnant and the one who is breastfeeding. This one, the ulama, they have many aqwal. There's about four opinions in this. And sisters, what happens to a lot of sisters, for example, and this is something that is quite uh, difficult for many of them. They are pregnant, and due to the pregnancy, they cannot uh, fast. So they miss a number of days, if not a lot of days. Then they give birth, and the following Ramadan, they're still breastfeeding. And then because they are breastfeeding, they need to eat to ensure that they are breastfeeding their child. And then they miss a number of days. And then they might get pregnant again, and then the next Ramadan, and then they're either breastfeeding, and then add a number of years so that all of a sudden they have, I remember someone messaged me one time, and they said that they have 200 days of fast that they need to do to make up. And this is a lot. This is a lot. Uh, what are their options? According to Abdullah ibn Abbas anhu and Abdullah ibn Umar, they said that the ayah 184 is actually about them as well. It's about them as well, where Allah said, So what they do is every day they miss, they feed a poor person, and that would be the end of it. After feeding a poor person, do they need to do anything else? According to that opinion, no, that is enough. Just like the other, uh, just like the um, the uh, the people that had a perpetual illness or old age. Some ulama um, of the salaf, and they said, no, we have to look at their situation. The situation of the pregnant woman and the situation of the woman that is breastfeeding is a temporary issue. And what else is temporary? Being sick and traveling. So they have more in common with the sick person, the traveler, whose, the, whose issue is temporary than they have with the person with a perpetual illness and old age whose issue is permanent. So they are a lot more uh, similar to the other two. Therefore, what, would the, what, was the, what did Allah say about if you're sick or traveling? You make it up another time. In other words, they have to make it up. Right. Some ulama, they, they looked at uh, the reasoning, if it was it a reason, the circumstances, was it are uh, fair for themselves or fair for the child, and that's the distinction that they make. And they say that uh, they, depending on the reason, they would either have to make it up or they would have to feed. Um, there is one opinion that's very out there, uh, Ibn Hazm who said they don't have to do anything. Right, and uh, he he went with the opinion because he said that no, there is no clear cut, very clear evidence to suggest that they should do anything. Therefore, the asal is that you should do nothing, which is a, uh, and uh, this is a, and Allah knows best. But uh, again, my advice is, and this is the advice I give to many sisters as well, based on what I said in the beginning of the class, when you have several opinions, if you can navigate your way through these opinions by uh, ensuring that. You have covered all of your bases. This is the best way. So, um, if you can make up your fast, the advice is to make up your fasts. And yes, 200 fasts might be a daunting task, but in a year, 
uh, if you fast every Thursday and Monday, that would give you maybe about 100. If you do that, and that's what, twice a week? Uh, 90, yeah, 96. Uh, that, that's what, two years where you're fasting only two days a week? And then you have, of course, Ramadan in between. But this is something that you can do and your intention you could be making up. And you can do that slowly. If that is too much for you, maybe you do one day a week. But the point is that you work your way towards that and you also pay. You also pay, but then you also work your way up and you do fast that one day or, right? And this is some advice that the ulama gave. And it is not, it is not impossible. It is not impossible. And, uh, yeah. But again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. If some sisters uh, take the opinion, uh, like, and it is a very strong opinion actually, the one about Alhamdulillah Sahaba in, uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas, who is one, one of the most knowledgeable of the companions, that they can just feed someone and leave it at that. For biha wa that is okay. If they also want to add making it up, just to be excess sure, this is also perfectly fine for them as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Uh, verse 185, it starts with Allah talking about, Shahru Ramadan. Oh yeah, before I mention, the ayah ends with, وَأَنْتَصُومُ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ And for you to fast is better for you. This is a general, for you to fast is better for you. In kuntum ta'lamun. This was speaking about those that are feeding. To fast is better for them. Uh, of course, if they can. Uh, Allah then said, Shahru Ramadan, the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan is the ninth month in the Islamic calendar. It is next month. We are in Sha'ban now. It is the month that the Qur'an was revealed. What makes the month of Ramadan special? The Qur'an was revealed. There are many things that make it special, but number one on that list is that the Qur'an was revealed. The Qur'an is the literal speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Qur'an is the speech of Allah, making it more virtuous than anything that has ever been on this earth. The Qur'an is greater and more virtuous than even the prophets, because the prophets are the creation of Allah. Whereas the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. Right? So the, there is nothing greater uh, that has come to this earth from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than His words. It, his words are a guidance. They are a light. They are a source of goodness. They are a source of, of all that is good for us. And Ramadan was the month this Qur'an was revealed. And as we all know, the Qur'an was taken from the brought down from the preserved tablets, the Lohul Mahfud, to the first sky. And we have seven skies. The first sky, which is Samaud Dunya, and there is a place called Baytul Izzah. And from there, over a period of 23 years, the Quran was being revealed to the Prophet. Um, so, this is what makes this month special. And this is why Shahr Ramadan is also known as Shahr al-Qur'an, the month of Qur'an. If anything, this should be the month you spend the most with the Qur'an. Read it, ponder over it, recite it as much as you can, listen to it, spend more time with the Qur'an than any other time in the month. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, unzila fi al-Qur'an, the Qur'an was revealed in it. What was the purpose of the Qur'an? Hudan linnas, a guidance to mankind. The Qur'an is there to guide you. Hudan linnas, a guidance to mankind. Allah said, it is clear message, just giving guidance and distinguishing between right and wrong. Furqan, the word furqan is that which is distinguished between right and wrong. And this is very important. The Prophet used to make a dua. 
اللهم أرنا الحق حقا ورزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا ورزقنا اجتنابه Oh Allah, show us the truth as the truth and give us the guidance to follow it. And show us the falsehood as falsehood and show, give us the guidance to stay away from it. Because often people will look at guidance and run away from it and they will look at falsehood and run towards it. So you need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you the ability to distinguish between those two things. And how do we distinguish between those two things, ikhwani fillah? By having piety and taqwa. Allah says in the Quran, إن تتقوا الله يجعل لكم فرقانا. If you have taqwa, Allah will give you furqan. Allah will give you the ability to distinguish between truth and falsehood. And this is something that you need. And of course, you learn that you, you, you get the ability through hidayah and guidance from Allah and through knowledge as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran to distinguish between right and wrong. And the Quran teaches you the right path from the wrong path. The Quran teaches you the difference between disbelief and belief. The Quran teaches you the difference between people of hellfire and people of Jannah. There is a furqan. It's a furqan. The righteous and the wicked. The Quran always tells you about the two groups. And even in Surah Al-Fatiha, Surah Al-Fatiha, always telling you right from wrong. And it's important to always remember our morality and our right and wrong. We always take it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll continue explaining the ayat later to, to uh, uh, Ramadan as we continue our class next week. Actually, next week, Wednesday, I'm not here. I am traveling. So uh, the week after that, inshallah ta'ala, we will continue. And we will be speaking about the ayats of, of Ramadan as well as uh, some of the ahkam of fasting. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.